Hi, welcome to Frugal Forever, and I'm about three days away from cutting my own bangs. <laughs> Josie, you're meant to say, I'm Josephine Parsons, and I'm about three days away from cutting my own bangs. No, I don't usually introduce myself. You usually introduce me. Uh, well, my name's Katie Cunningham, and I'm forgetting <laughs> how to run this podcast. And I'm Josie Parsons, because apparently I have to introduce myself now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, funny, funny line, Josie. Good one. Thank you so much. But it's true, my my bangs are absolutely out of control. They're halfway down my face. It's oh. and I'm just fed up with what to do with them. I've got like a like a half up, half down situation. Yeah, that I please don't with. please don't cut them yourself. Like you'll fuck it up. I know. Just, I'm just I'm gonna grow them out. No, I really, I really liked your bangs, but like I never wore them out anyway because I was too lazy. Yeah, you were too lazy. Yeah. And I never got used to like, I know this sounds crazy, but I never got used to what I looked like with them. So every time I wore them, I would have just like this this moment where I was like, ah, that doesn't look like me. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think they looked great. I wish you'd give yourself time to adjust it. But anyway. Yeah, I should have adjusted. Anyway, Bangs how aside, are you? Um, yeah, I'm okay. I think generally my mood is better than what it was a week ago, two weeks ago. Like I've settled into the new reality a bit more. Like I'm past the shock of it. Yeah. But um, I, something I kind of put my finger on last night is a thing that was really frustrating me or upsetting me is, okay, so I live alone, as you know, um, and I'm finding that really hard. Like it's really isolating, unsurprisingly. Mm. But I don't know, like – <laughs> There's like so many articles about like things to do to like distract to pass the time or if I try and you know if I say on group threads with my friends that I'm like going out of my mind people are like oh just like you know do some knitting and I'm like no no okay my problem is not boredom my problem is that I lack human connection like yeah. it's it's not about filling the time there's endless ways for me to fill the time that's not my issue it's that I'm not having that basic human need for connection and like socialization and intimacy and touch being met. And so it doesn't matter what I do with the rest of my time. I'm just fucking miserable. And like, um, you know, I, I feel kind of jealous almost, I think of people who have people that they're isolating with. Cause I'm like, Oh, even if you're just with one other person, like your partner, you get, you get those needs for, human human connection met and then you can go and happily fill your time with busy work and that's okay but it's like no matter how like I can't distract myself from the like sadness that I feel it's not it's not related to time it's it's the absence of other people totally anyway, like that's just like a basic human thing that is not is, met yeah. right now yeah. and no matter what you do even house party and zoom or whatever it's just not the same it's not the same it's like an illusion of intimacy that's not real at all yeah totally that's really hard katie i'm sorry thanks josie um yeah but you know i'm i'm also sure that like i've i feel like oh like i'm this feel like this bratty teen is like no one understands me what i'm going through there's probably lots of other people who i don't understand their particular shitty covid situation like you know i think lots of people are stuck in 
crap situations that are all unique and, you know, we don't necessarily know about them. Yeah, and it's like just because someone doesn't necessarily understand doesn't make that any less real for you. And, like, it sucks if people haven't been responding the way that you need them to, but, you know, your feelings are totally valid and, yeah, keep reaching out to people, I reckon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I had a friend come over and like talk to me from outside my house and oh, he was so like nice. yeah it was nice and he was like oh I was thinking of you because I was thinking about how hard it would be to to live alone during this and I was like thank you like even just someone acknowledging that makes such a big difference um and it, anyway why I say like I think lots of people are in like their own shitty COVID situations like this friend of mine he'd gone on this um six-month road trip started to go on the six month road trip around Australia with his girlfriend. They got three weeks into it and had to come home because mm-hmm. like borders were closing. It wasn't a time to travel. And I'm like, that fucking sucks. Like you spent so long planning for this thing. Um, and it just like got aborted just as you'd started. And I, so I said that to him and he was like, Oh, thanks. Like lots of people just don't seem to get it. Like don't get like what a loss it is to have planned for that thing for so long and then have it, end like this so yeah I think you know look we're all humans are selfish beings like we're all caught up in our own head and our own situation and maybe you know lots of people are dealing with disappointments and setbacks and losses and this that we just don't we don't think about or know about or maybe some people just can't I don't know (laughs) no I don't I think you're right like everyone has their own thing and everyone's sort of in this space where they've got extra time to think about themselves and their situations and like yeah. sit with their thoughts. So yeah, um, I think it's hard for a lot of people to consider how other people are doing, but yeah, everyone in their own way is having a really rough time. That's actually crazy. You said that about your friend, because I've got a friend who was just about to leave with his girlfriend on a trip around Australia. And that's, yeah, I know. And they they spent like a year building, like he built Ooh. his van and they set up the whole thing. They both quit their jobs. They were ready yeah. to go and now they just can't. And that sucks. If, like there are two ways to look at it. You can look at it and be like, oh, well, like that's so privileged that they're in a position to get to go. Or you can look at it being like, yeah, actually that sucks because they worked hard. They saved for it. And they were betting on something that had been there for so long, which is like a stable Australia where you could totally. travel around and it doesn't exist anymore. It's like yeah. you could never have foreseen that. It sucks. Never. It's okay to grieve that. For sure. Also, I have uh, this girl on Facebook who I um, was friends with when I was a teenager and she had posted about how her and her partner had quit their jobs to go backpacking around South America for a year and had obviously been like saving and planning for this trip for so long again, got literally three weeks into it and had to come home. And like that, (laughs) that would devastate me. Like also having quit your job and then coming back and suddenly there's no jobs because the economy is fucked and you've got nothing to do for six plus months. Like that, that kills me. I feel so bad for those people. And also just the idea of like, you spent all this time saving up for that. And now all of those savings are going to have to go to just living Oh, that's cruel. Like, that's you know, awful. It is. Yeah, it sucks. I know. Yeah, I always think, like, I don't know, if I found myself with an with overabundance of time, I'd be like, oh, I just go overseas. Like, why not? Like, 
but you can't do any of that stuff that, you know, like normally if you lost your job, for instance, in normal life, you might be like, well, fuck it. I'm going to go to Europe and like hang out there for a while because why not? But it's like, well, now you're in that situation of like, yeah, here's a pause in my life that doesn't occur very often, but I can't actually do anything with it except sit inside my home. Mm -hmm. Totally. And just consume content or try and like pass the time somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Sucks. anyway <laughs> this, that's this has been our feelings um but what we're actually <laughs> talking about today is uh supporting small business um which is something that you know i think there's been a lot of conversation about rightly over the um, past few weeks and also maybe like where that line is between supporting small business but not you know not stretching your own finances too thin at a time when we're all probably feeling the pinch more mm-hmm. as well yeah, I think it's a really um, – it's more important than ever to support small businesses, but also I'm definitely feeling that thing of um, – so I get $260 a fortnight for, like, fun money, which is, like, eating out or, like, spending on whatever I want. That's In just how my budget is. Budget, yeah. yeah. Um, but now I'm like, well, I've cut that in half because who knows what – is around the corner and I'm just trying to put as much into savings as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I also really want to do my part because I still am employed to support local. Um, yeah. It's a tough one. How are you feeling about that? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah, it's, I'm trying to do it as much as I can with caveats. Like, okay. So I think for me, when I think about supporting small business, like it's, it's like a selfish act for me because I'm like, no, I just literally want these businesses to be here when this is over because they improve my quality of life. And so I think it's about like, it's really about thinking, thinking about the type of world that you want to live in when this is over. And do you want the only, do you want the only thing, only like restaurants or stores or whatever that exist to be crappy chain stores or like fucking carbon copy Merivale joints, because those are the only people who can afford to continue running businesses or do you want the businesses that are actually cool and do good stuff and are run by nice everyday people I know what I want you know like Mm. I'm yeah so I I think about that a lot like I've been talking so okay we later in this episode we're interviewing uh the owner of swap my favorite clothes shop which I talk about all the time and I've been trying like I've been buying a lot of stuff off their Instagram page, which is where they're selling clothes now. Um, like maybe more, more, not like, but not frivolously, but like I'm, I'm spending, like I'm, you know, I'm more happy to spend the money than I would on clothes normally because I'm like, no, it's good. Like it's, you know, yeah, it's helping you're, you're stay not open. Yeah, guessing yourself. Yeah, I'm not being like, oh, no, I probably shouldn't buy this like 70s halter dress that you're not going to wear for nine months because it's about to be winter and we're all stuck inside. I'm like, no, I am going to buy it because, you know, there is an ethical good to this as well as a little treat for me. Yeah, there's like the layers of ethical good on that are crazy because you're supporting local business and also it's all secondhand. So, yeah. Yeah. Dude, I'm going straight to heaven for um Dude, every, every dress I buy. <laughs> <laughs> so I live on a main road. So I kind of, I feel like I'm very, con- like I'm very aware of small businesses struggling because I can see it. Like I see it every time I go outside. Like I see all these like shuttered doors and, mm. you know, bars selling like margaritas in a tin out the front as their only way of making any money right now. And it's really 
heart, like heart wrenching. Um, so I, yeah, I feel like I'm just super conscious of it. And so the Vietnamese restaurant that I live next to, I was talking to the owner from it and he said they've had a 60% drop in revenue since like Corona happened. And that's like a takeaway joint essentially. Like it's not a place you go in and like dine out at. So like if they're having a 60% loss, like I can't even imagine how bad it would be for like, for like the fancy restaurants where it's like, you're never going to order takeaway from those places because it's really expensive. It's like, it's an experience that you go out to every now and then, like they must like, you know, be on freaking life support right now. Yeah, totally. And it's also, it makes you think of the places where like food is a thing that we all have to eat, but Mm. if it's something that isn't necessarily in a necessary purchase, like clothes or beauty or, or books, you know, that's, you really worry about that too. Cause you're like, how much worse is that going to be for those guys? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, I think, I guess I've been trying also to just where I can buy, buy the things I need from small businesses. And, you know, for instance, like not buying wine from BWS or any of those big chain stores, buying it from like the little boutique wine shop on my street that's run by cool people. Um, Or, yeah. Or like, yeah, like I, (laughs) now that the library's closed, I can't get books from there anymore. I bought like $200 worth of books from Better Red Than Dead, the um, bookshop in Newtown, because I was like, well, I'm going to have to pay for them. Like either I can save maybe $5 per book by ordering them from, book depository or whatever or I can just like not be a dickhead and spend that small amount of extra money to support a shop that I like and want to be able to stay open yeah totally I think it's a bit hard for me because I live in the suburbs there's not really that many local businesses Mm. like there's a lot of maybe local um like little grocery stores or um there's local cafe that I really like that's inside a mall <laughs> um but like it's it's independently owned and I really like them um so it's a bit harder for me in that sense like it's not as mm. in front of me as it is to you but yeah I love no. that like yeah but I love that places are del- doing delivery and it also it's it serves to be mentioned that even if it's not a local business like just someone starting it up like franchises and stuff is still a thing and that's still like a mum or a dad just like buying into a yeah. franchise and yeah. like a subway store or whatever. Like that's still important. I, I know subways, yeah, no, yeah. but yeah, you still no. want them to get money at the end of the day and stay afloat. Yeah, um, that's true. But yeah, that's like so I've got a dilemma with F45 at the moment, which is it's a franchise. So obviously like F45 is is a global brand, as they say, but it's owned <laughs> by like local people. Yeah, and people who yeah. own my F45, I n- know them because I used to go there every day and they're like nice and I like them and I obviously desperately want them to be able to survive. Um, they've obviously closed. Um, so what F45 has done is they're doing this like live streaming classes thing and so you can sign up and pay like $35 a week to access these live stream classes, which is like – you know essentially half of what you pay normally but still like not nothing mm. um and 35 dollars a week that is like like it's not it's not necessarily yeah. cheap yeah i mean it it, fe- it almost feels cheap compared to how much it normally is but yeah it's true it's, it's true. not but yeah so 
but I haven't signed up for it yet because a, I, while like, while everything was changing so fast and, you know, no one knew what was happening. I got Nike training club app, which someone told me about, um, which is like really good and it's a free app and it's like basically gives you these hit workouts, which is like what F45 is. Um, and just like, it's the functionality of it is really good. It's like you do it on your phone. Whereas with the live streaming classes, it's like, I'd have it on my laptop, like in my house. So I couldn't really take it to the park to do it, which is what I like to do now with exercise. Mm. And so I'm kind of like, I'm kind of in this position of, well, I actually don't know if I want to use CF45 live streaming classes. Like maybe I feel like I'm better off using this app, but then should I just sign up anyway, like as a show of support because I want them to be able to stay open. But then I'm also like a little bit worried about money at the moment because I, you know, as I have said 10 million times on this podcast, I'm freelance. I kind of feel like I, I don't know yet what's going to, what's going to happen to my income. And like, I know, like I'm already a lot less busy than what I normally am, but -hmm. it's just kind of hard to tell you, to tell right now what the actual like dollar impact of that is going to be. Yeah. Cause you know, it's like you get paid for things that you did three months ago kind of things that takes a while for invoices to be processed. So it's like, well, I'm, I'm fine right now. It's not like I have a liquidity problem, but like I'm conscious that I'm not getting as much work. It might keep going down. It might totally fall off a cliff over the coming weeks. And so I'm kind of like, I just feel like I should really bunker down and like try not to spend money because I just don't know what's happening. And I'm, you know, just by the nature of not having steady employment, I'm in a precarious position that could end up being really bad. And I don't, I just don't know yet what's happening. So yeah, I don't know. (laughs) That's my moral dilemma. Yeah. I mean, I think that you are doing a lot for the businesses, like all those things that you just said, you're doing heaps for the businesses that you do love, like swap and like the bookstores and the, the alcohol stores. And like, I think it's okay to let one of those things go. And I also don't think that like you can still find a balance where it's like, if you have a need for something, then you go and find the best way to fulfill that need by buying local. If you don't have a need for something, it's okay to not use it. So you don't Mm. have a need for F45 right now and that's okay. And there's probably a lot of people who do and they, they can. And if like, I mean, yeah, it's just hard. Like you you shouldn't have to have that, all of that on your shoulders, but it does feel like that. Yeah. And look, we'll talk about this more later with my money content, but it's also like, it's this is and should be, be a government responsibility not an individual person responsibility and that's not to say that like I think that anyone can just like wash their hands of morality and say it's it's well it's bigger than me it's not my problem but like yeah like the the prop like keeping the economy afloat and keeping small businesses alive like that's it's a huge task and it takes Mm. it takes more than just what I can do it takes the government like taking really big measures to save it so yeah yeah, exactly it's It's like like I said you can do what you can within the parameters of like what you can Mm. and then the rest hopefully the government will pick up and and yeah I mean I know it's a it's a really hard one and I'm the same as you like I just want to be doing as much as I possibly can but I also have to think about I mean I'm not freelance so that would that would be a really tough position to be in but I'm 
like my work could turn around tomorrow and be like, sorry, mm. we can't, we can't keep you on yeah. anymore. And that's just yeah. the reality of for totally. everybody. And so, yeah, that's why I'm being really conscious of just like halving my spending and making sure that I put as away as much as possible for just in case. Cause I just, I don't have, like if I, if for some reason something did happen tomorrow, I would probably be only have like two months of expenses and then, mm. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's hard. It's stressful. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's stressful, but yeah, you, you do what you can and yeah. Like the other day I walked down to get a coffee from that cafe I was telling you about the one in the mall. <laughs> um, and it was so nice. And the owner came out and she gave everyone Easter eggs and she was just such a joy and, Oh, it just like made my heart so full. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. So what are you doing with your gym membership? So they've just completely put it on hold. Oh, so they're not doing they haven't asked you to asked you to opt in for a, a new thing, like No. They I think they've been doing uh, I actually don't follow them on Facebook, but I think they've been doing some like classes and stuff on Facebook, but it's just basically your membership is put on hold until further notice. Yeah, shit. I yeah. I hope they're all right. Um, I really hope they're all right. Yeah. But I'll tell you something that I'm like about. Um, what? And this is not a small business. This is a chain. Uh, so Laser Clinics Australia. <laughs> now listen, I love and support Laser I don't know if it's a franchise or not, but it's like a huge chain. They've got 10 million zillion stores around Australia. Yeah. Yeah. I love and support Laser Hair Clinics Australia. I love what they've done for my body. I'm like, I want them to stay afloat. They're obviously closed right now because, you know, beauty salons are not allowed to be open, but they keep sending emails like every day, encouraging people to buy, like to buy vouchers to use when they reopen and like being like, Oh, 40% off like underarms today, like stock up now, get a deal. And it's like, yeah, I, I get that you're doing that to help yourself stay afloat right now. But if you don't survive, this six months, then you've just sold hundreds of dollars worth of treatment to people who are just going to have lost their money. And that like, that feels ethically iffy to me. Like, it's like, you're, you know, I want you to survive, but it's like, I'm not going to gamble hundreds of my dollars on it as well. Like that's because that's different to if I'm going to support a local bookstore, it's like, yeah, I get the book in my hand right now. If I'm going to buy food from a local cafe, I get to eat the food right now. It's not a it's not a risk. Like I get the reward from that immediately, but this yeah. is so like, like, I don't know. It just feels wrong to me. I don't think it feels wrong. I think, and I think that's fair enough that what you're thinking, I just think they're doing what they can and they're banking on them going into hibernation and them being okay. And then this is just how they keep afloat for this amount of time. I don't think it's ethically dubious. I think it's just what they can, what they can do. But then what if they go under and, you know, you spend $1,000 on back hair laser removal treatments that you can't use? Well, that's business, baby. But I don't think like, I don't think they would be going under. Like like you said, it's a, it's a huge corporation. Like it's a huge company in Australia. And, yeah, I mean, would I be buying laser stuff right now? Probably not. But, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with them doing that because okay. well, a lot of it. like yeah a lot of places I've been seeing have been offering gift cards and stuff yeah but it's like I'm more 
happy to buy a gift card to a small business than I am for a big corporation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but then this is where I don't know, I might disagree with you because it's still an Australian business and so it's still important like in terms of like it still employs people, it still like pays for a lot of people's wages. Like it's still important to keep that afloat too just in a different way than it is a local business. Yeah. Anyway, they're not they're not top of my priorities, let's put it this way. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, Who are your favourite local brands that you want to tell people about? Um, I mean, I feel like mine are all hyper-local. There's just things in my neighbourhood like Swap or the cafes that I like, which is like um, – Fleetwood Macchiato in Erskineville, <laughs> 202 Blue in Newtown, <laughs> like the Dean's Diner in Newtown does the best burgers <laughs> in Sydney. Like, I don't know. Like, they're, it's just stuff that I live near. So I feel like, like, everyone has things that they live near that they like and they want to keep open. I don't know. What about you? Um, well, I don't have that much that I live near, <laughs> apart from a big um, Stockland's Mall. Um, but I... I think I spoke about it on the podcast before. I ordered books from the Harborside Bookshop in Ulladulla. Mm. So they recently actually launched a website where you can search things on their website. Um, but it doesn't have everything on there. So you can just send them an Instagram message and ask what they've got in stock. And then they can just send it out to you, which is awesome. Um, so, yeah, Harborside and Better Red Than Dead are doing deliveries, aren't they? Yeah, they're doing free delivery, which is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, even Harry Hartog, which is a chain, but it's, like, a smaller kind of chain, which I really like. They're doing delivery. Um, even places like Harry Hartog. Harry Hartog. Yeah, What's it's, that? like, it's a bookstore. Oh, okay. It's in... Why is it called one, that? <laughs> I don't know. There's one in Bondi, I think. There's one in Macquarie and Miranda. Hmm. Um, and my friend told me about this thing called uh there's this like guy on the south coast who gets oysters and he'll like deliver them to you in sydney um uh, so it's the instagram handle is mimosa rock oysters so you can just like order direct from him and yeah he'll like deliver them the next day you like you obviously have to buy like quite a few it's not just like six oysters please um but i thought that was cool and like good a good thing to support as well because it's the South Coast, which has just been completely fucked by bushfires and now is being yeah. doubly fucked by the pandemic. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they really they really need our support. Um, so that was, that was cute. Yeah, I, well, I like that. I'm going to look them up. Not that yeah. I've ever eaten oysters in my life, but. Oh, Josie, you've got to get into oysters. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. What, what better time than now? Um, there's also I got targeted advertising on Instagram, which – they read me so well um, for this website called Kenya Lurk and it's an Aboriginal owned business. They traditionally do like, um, like welcome to country plaques and like traditional owners of the land plaques, but they've moved into making candles and I was looking at their candles and they've got like Australian bush smells and eucalyptus smells and lemon myrtle and I'll like link the page, but it just looks so good. Um, you really love candles, hey? I love candles. I love candles. I don't get candles, but like, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> so if you really do, definitely look them up. Um, 
so yeah, I thought that was really cool. Um, and then, you know, there's like buy from the bush and spend with them, those Instagram accounts that I just think are great for making sure that you, like, if you're going to buy homewares or you're going to buy candles or something, that's quite easy to get, Mm. like shipped to you local. Yeah. Um, and just in general, my favorite cafe near Parramatta, Soaker Espresso, they do takeaways. So if you live near Parramatta, keep Mm. supporting them too. Mm. Well, speaking of another small business that I want everyone to support, um, should we segue into our interview, Josie? Let's do it. Uh, so today we're speaking to the owner of my favorite small business. If you've listened to the pod before, you would have heard me talk about my love for Swap, the secondhand clothing store across the road from my house. Pre-pandemic, I went there literally every day and today probably 80% of my wardrobe is from there. Uh, so Beth Wicks founded Swap together with a friend in 2013, and now they have stores in Brisbane, Melbourne, and Sydney. The values that underpin the business um, are to provide an alternative to fast fashion, stop landfill, price clothes affordably, and cater to all body types. Hello, Beth. Hello. Thank you for your love and support of our store, <laughs> Katie. So my pleasure. <laughs> I've definitely joked with you before that I think you're in the store more than I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, like when I say I go there every day, like that's not an exaggeration. I literally go there every single day. Yeah. Um, literally since we opened our doors. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I see y- you guys more than I see like my friends or family. It's, um, it's like, <laughs> at this point. I know the feeling. Yeah. I have many of those with our customers. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you so much for speaking to us today. Um, we obviously wanted to talk to you because you are a small business owner and there's been heaps of talk lately about how um, coronavirus is kind of affecting small businesses and putting them in a really shitty position. Um, So I guess first up, like how are you feeling right now as a small business owner? Um, I'm having lots of feelings. (laughs) They're changing daily, but definitely a mix of like anxious, supported, like my um, partner, my, my work partner and the staff and even just the customers that we're still having like heaps of interactions with. Um, a calm, calming those anxious feelings, but yeah, just I think a very common feeling that everyone's having of just like what's what's going to happen next when a thing is going to go back to like some sort of normal. Mm. Um, so yeah, swirling swirling head of emotions, but feeling really supported and loved. So that that helps. Yeah. That's nice. Um, so I guess yeah. a context for our listeners is you guys closed your physical like bricks and mortar stores a few weeks ago and you've been selling clothes through your Instagram page. Um, I guess like financially, what other changes have you had to make to adjust to everything that's going on? Um, Well, immediately we had to stand down pretty much all of our casual staff. Um, We were lucky that we had um, some permanents that we could keep on. Um, This is pre-announcement of any support. So we were we, we thought, look, we can we can pay our permanents. We'll keep them on as long as we can. Um, but apart from, like, staff cuts, we pretty much stopped all unnecessary spending. So we're in the middle of doing, like, a really big software update um, and buying lots of hardware and working on, like, a pretty big project there. So that all came to a halt. Um, we 
rang the ATO to tell them that we can't pay any of our bills, which they were pretty understanding on. Um, and yeah, just, just um, cutting little corners where we can, but the biggest, I think, yeah, the biggest one was staff, like in, compa in comparison to what our store was making daily, um, it just wasn't viable to keep them on. Um, we would have had to close our doors a lot sooner than what we potentially, you know, could hold out for. Yeah. Yeah. It's it was really hard to do when, like, we have 20 people, you know, employed by us. Um, so that was, like, a really, really hard decision. But um, I think the staff were really understanding and they were they were a big part of the reason we did close a bit earlier than the restrictions put in because they felt anxious and worried and, um, you know, we really listened to them and that they didn't feel that safe at work. It wasn't a nice feeling. Mm. Mm. It would have been a tough decision to make for sure. Yeah. Um, is selling stuff online, is that enough to keep you afloat or is it just a drop in the ocean compared to what you can make at a brick and mortar store? Yeah, um, I think pre-government stimulus announcements, we were like, we're in big trouble here. Um, we, yeah, in, in comparison to the stores and what we would make in each store each day, it was, you know, one quarter. So, and the fact that not all the stores can run the Instagram sales at once, um, it's one designated store per day, it meant that not all stores were operating every day, if that kind of makes sense. Like we split yeah. the out over the week. Um, Post-stimulus um, announcements and, you know, working with our landlords on what our options are, we're definitely feeling a lot more hopeful. And also just the fact that, unfortunately, we're all in this together. So every, every person that we can't pay a bill to, um, they probably can't pay their bills. So there's like an uh, chain effect. Mm. So, mm -hmm. I don't know that as as morbid as it sounds, there's like some um, comfort in that. So, yeah, it's in comparison, um, it's it's quite minimal. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. But we're, we're, we're thankful that we've been able to pivot into that. We were already doing a little bit of online Instagram sales stuff, our story sales stuff. Um, so, yeah, we've just, like, basically ramped that up and we're definitely getting getting enough in there to pay, like, the staff that we still have on board. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. So what's, like, the biggest worry for you at the moment? Is it not being able to pay rent or, yeah, what what's the biggest stress? Um, yeah, rent was definitely our major stressor. Um, luckily in uh, the Newtown store... Our landlord was quite understanding straight up. Like we sent an email and we, within half an hour they offered a 75% reduction. Oh, whoa. That's wow. great. Yeah, and that's not even um, deferral. So they're actually just giving a discount for oh. three months and we'll review what's going on then. Um, awesome. So really lucky because, yeah, we have like a, a pretty good relationship with him um, and the real estate but unfortunately for our two Brisbane locations and Melbourne, um, yeah, we just haven't had landlords come to the party yet. Mm. Um, that's all still kind of fresh and happening and 
you know, I'm sure they're in on if these if these owners have multiple properties, I'm sure they're dealing with their own kind of influx of queries and requests. So just waiting to hear that. Hey, waiting to hear what our options are with them um, is probably the biggest stress we've got right now. Um, and then also just navigating like what what support is there for small and medium-sized businesses. Um, our accountants have been really good. They've been hosting like webinars for people to jump on and get some information, but everything's changing and like announcements are made, but legislation's not put through. So mm. there's lots questions like um you know and then they're still debating over certain parts of it so it's it's hard to keep updated and then it's navigating the system of how to get those um those support packages as well so yeah if there's any other small businesses out there I definitely recommend contact your accountant they should be pretty over it um where to go and who to speak to yeah, yeah, I was gonna. Oh, sorry, Josie. I was gonna ask if you were, if you, you or your staff were eligible for any of those subsidies. But it sounds like it's very confusing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's. I've just kind of realised in the last couple of days, speaking with um, one of our accountants, that basically the government wants you to fork out the wages right now, the fifteen hundred a fortnight to your employees, and then they'll reimburse you oh. um, I did a quick calculation of what that would look like for our staff um and that was just on an average that we have six staff at each store and it worked out to be over eighty thousand oh. dollars um yeah because it was it's about they're, they're predicting payments to come through mid-may um so that's about six weeks of wages and that's just not viable for us. Like we don't have 80 grand sitting in the account. Um, so the government said that the banks should be helping you out. So then that's another thing you need to navigate. It's like working with the banks and trying to get finance to pay staff to then get reimbursed by the government. And then how do we know they're going to pay on time? Like, are we just going <laughs> to, is that just going to be a domino effect of, oh my God, now we're in debt with the banks. Mm. Um, mm. And then they haven't even really said if, you know, we think we are eligible um, and what if we start paying our employees the seven fifty a week and then they turn around and say, oh, no, you're not eligible. We've overpaid the staff. So, yeah, there's like a lot of, <laughs> there's like a lot of what if scenarios um, that we're just trying to, yeah, have, an, have, have a better understanding around. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it would be hard for a lot of small businesses to understand or even just have that kind of cash to fork out to their employees and then expect that the government's definitely going to pay them back. Yeah, so- have um, on that, have you do you have any um, friends or, or colleagues or anything that also own small businesses that you've been speaking to about this stuff? Um, no, mainly just self-employed, like solo um contractors Mm -hmm. so even in that stance like um my friend's husband he's a contractor builder um he's just finishing up a job now and there'll be there's no work for him that he can see in his foreseeable future so he's not able to apply for the job keeper yet because his his income hasn't shown that it's dropped by 30 percent yet Mm -hmm. so he's 
until I guess he shows a drop in income to then apply. But, you know, he's got a family of three kids. Is it going to be too late by then? Mm. Like, is he in financial strife? Um, yeah, but no, I haven't. Um, I don't really have any other friends that are in business. Probably smart. <laughs> no, I just like that would kind of suck if you don't have any. I guess you have a business partner, but it sucks to not have anyone to compare notes with or um, sort of rally together at this time. Yeah, definitely. Um, but I guess because it is such a widely, you know, so many people are affected. I mean, yeah, I've been chatting with like, just the the other businesses around us on Enmore Road. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when you're grabbing your coffee and the owner's all of a sudden working in there, it's good to have a little chat and see where they're at. Um, but, yeah, it's there is like a sense of camaraderie around this area, I guess. That's, <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what, what do you think that people like me and Katie can do to help small businesses right now? Like what would you like your customers to know? Um, I mean, the biggest help's always going to be if you've got the money to buy from small businesses. Um, I loved like at the start of kind of the lockdown, people were putting those little screen grab things where you fill in your favorite shops or where you're going to go when you return from isolation and just like remembering us that we still exist. So I think you'll see a lot of small businesses are just like upping their content and, um, you know, um, really reaching out to their audience. We're not, we're not in a season of like, okay, we need to build our customer base. We're really, wanting to focus on who already love swap and like it's a part of their day um like katie we <laughs> every day or every week like it's part of their routine and we know that that's what people are really missing the most so if you can still keep them as part of your routine somehow um i think brands will really appreciate that and yeah you'll see a lot more content coming out that I'm sure so many small businesses have been meaning to do what's on their list to do, to do, to do. And finally, this is kind of a bit of a downtime to switch to that and, um, you know, do some things that they love and represent their brand. And also, like, how long can a small business like yours survive like this? Like, is it a month or two months or six months? Like, what's the limit for you? Yeah, um, I think there's, like, a lot of external factors that – come into play especially now with like government support and um landlords are not going to want to kick their tenants out because when we come on the other side of this if there's a bunch of empty shops um you know that's that's what the government's trying to avoid they know that that's not um the 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 outcome like they want to keep the economy going i guess that's why they're paying paying everyone this this money so that they keep spending and when when everything opens its doors back up everyone's still got money in their bank to kind of have that little treat of coming to swap or going to get a coffee or supporting your local restaurants um so at at first we were like oh my god we've got three months like we can pay three months rent and that's it where we'll have to close the doors um but, I mean, I, I don't know if we could last over six months. You'd feel like when's this going to end? Maybe we'll, yeah, I think around six months is when we'd be a bit worried. 
Mm, okay. Um, yeah. Well, everyone listening, please go to underscore swap on Instagram, uh, shop their Instagram stories, buy things from them because if swap doesn't survive this, I will literally die. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and it's S-W-O-P. Yes, S-W-O-P. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right thank you so much for speaking to us Beth that was super interesting and um good luck thinking of you thank you for love again (laughs) thank you Beth bye bye okay all right time for money content and Josie I believe it's your turn to go first this week Okay, so for a nice segue into talking about small businesses, restaurants, etc., um, my first piece of money content is in the ABC News, and the headline is "Top Chefs Swap Empty Restaurants for Cooking Meals for At-Risk People." Oh, and it's just about like it's just a really quick article about how there's this chef who owns an 800 seat pub and 40 seat fine dining restaurant in Perth. Um, he has changed his kitchens into using like into using food to make to make meals for homeless people, for elderly people. And then there's this charity that goes around and then it delivers it. So this whole community has come together and they're using food that has been left over from kitchens or isn't being used because not as many people are eating out. Um, and they're making like a thousand meals a week, this like really good top chef making these like yeah thousand meals a week for all of these people around Perth um so prepare produce provide is the charity um yeah and I just thought that was really nice it just makes me feel all warm and fuzzy because he was like the kitchen's here anyway I've got my skills and then just comes together with all these different people in the community and helps out so that's nice I know. And it just reminds you like these, it's, these are really tough times, but you can never underestimate the power of community and people wanting to help each other out. Just think oh, it's juicy. <laughs> You're so it's positive so this week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really nice. And just really quickly as another aside, I haven't finished this article, so I can't really say it's my money content, but It's so good so far. So in Vanity Fair, there's this article called The Prince, The Flash and The Forger. And have you heard of it? Mm -mm. So it's this article about this like art guy who's who was married to a billionaire. Do you know um, what's her name? Petra, Petra something. And she's like the daughter of a Formula One guy. No. Anyway, and she's like a billionaire, billionaire, billionaire. Um, he was married to her and he was like an art guy and just like absolutely off the wall crazy. And then he gave or loaned Prince Charles this collection of paintings and Prince Charles put them up in his manor, but they were all forged. They were like forged Picassos oh and God. stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. I and love so, portraits. <laughs> it's so fascinating because it's like, oh, man, it's just like how rich is that, you know, like just this whole world of like art is so so foreign to me that's why yeah that's why I love like cons and scams that operate at that high level and just target rich people because it's like 
yeah, like it's a victimless crime. <laughs> like who cares if Prince Philip gets stiffed on some fake paintings? Like that's fucking funny that you had all that money to spend on Picasso anyway. Yeah, well, Prince Charles. Um, Whatever. And he didn't buy them. He just like he this guy, um, Jack Stunt, was he loaned them to Prince Charles. So that's like just an embarrassing thing for the royal family because it was like why did no art person check them? Gosh. And it's like Prince Charles must have just like how many scandals can one family weather? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> they already killed Diana. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just thought that was so funny and it was just a real intersection of my interests because I am very fascinated by the royal family and, you know, rich rich cons. Yeah, rich um, cons. But, but this guy is, like, crazy. He just insists that the, paint, that the paintings are real and it's like they weren't because they were done by this guy. And then they, they start to talk about this guy who, as a living, he forges artwork um, and how he makes it, like, yeah, and how he does that. So I haven't finished it, but really good. I would recommend reading it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally it's me who, like, hasn't done my money content homework, but um, I've got, like, three pieces of money content this week. Holy crap. Well, kind of. I'll I'll just I'll start talking. Okay, okay. So my first content, my first money content is two articles, um, both about the two thousand seven Naomi Klein book Shock Doctrine. Have you read it? No. Okay, I haven't either. <laughs> but um, apparently, it's exceedingly relevant to uh, this historical moment. So basically, the book says. So I so I read in these articles. Um, it's basically about how governments, like historically, have used moments of shock, which is like wars or natural disasters or economic crisis or pandemic, as we're in right now, to implement agendas that would be met with opposition if we weren't also like distracted and disoriented by what's going on. Ooh. And yeah, and those agen- the agendas they implement tend to be what she calls disaster capitalism, which are these like free market quote-unquote solutions to problems we're having that are actually totally bogus um and there was some example some american example that i'm not really across about trump announcing some kind of support for like big business and it's like no big business is fine (laughs) like that's not what that's who needs the money right now um but it's not actually about this it's just like a way to like weasel weasel something else in um so she naomi klein gave an interview to vice um kind of about the book and how it relates now and she said this quotes you know the way i define disaster capitalism is really straightforward it describes the way private industries spring up to directly profit from large-scale crises um they're not doing this because they think it's the most effective oh sorry and she's talking about government now but government policies she's like they're not doing this because they think it's the most effective way to alleviate suffering during a pandemic they have these ideas lying around that they now see as an opportunity to implement um so, yeah, I thought, like, apparently this book is, like, <laughs> perfect for right now. I wish I had actually read it. But anyway, mm-hmm. so that's just kind of, like, the introduction to those ideas. But then I read this article in Refinery29 called Disaster Capitalism is All Millennials Have Ever Known, But Shopping Won't Save Us Now. And it's basically oh. about, like, t- you know, talking about Naomi Klein's, Naomi Klein's book and how, like, you know, governments in, like, the last kind of, 30 years especially have often advised people to like shop in times of crisis to keep the economy afloat and you know we definitely saw that with like the global financial crisis in 2008 2007 um whatever it was and um yeah like (laughs) 
like this kind of this idea that's like it's important to just keep acting normally like which is like what we've seen with scomo taking you know so long to implement um like these kind of lockdown measures because it was like no no business as usual business as usual is what's going to save us right now but then this pandemic's happened and it's like actually business as usual just literally has to stop like there's there's no other way around it Mm. um and so i'll read out some quotes from the article um it says uh, one of the tenets of disaster capitalism is that it's necessary for most people to continue to act normally you know, to keep patronizing businesses both local and online frequent restaurants and coffee shops you know take that vacation anyway but what the pa- coronavirus pandemic is proving once and for all is that this help is not only not uh, not going to be enough but that it should never be the responsibility of individual consumers to keep the economy afloat especially when so many of them find themselves underemployed or financially unstable um Yes, we should still shop local and support small businesses, but that's not nearly enough. Uh, and she basically says, like, we need, you know, small businesses and employees need to be protected, like, through a time like this, but also just in general. But we need a stronger safety net than just customers, pers- like, disposable incomes. Um, mm-hmm. Because she says, unless you're Jeff Bezos or Michael Bloomberg, you probably don't have the personal wealth to keep an industry afloat on your own, and that's okay. Millennials have answered our government's call to go shopping for long enough. Now it's time for the government to answer ours and provide us with the future we want and need. So he's basically saying, like, like all this stuff that Naomi Klein says and the shock doctrine about, like, how this changes government's governance, but also that, yeah, like, it's it's kind of been passed on to individuals in this way to be like, well, it's it's up to you, the community, to, to keep everything afloat and, you know, like and to save to save us from this crisis but it's it's just beyond the individual's capability to do it all the government has to step in and do a lot and you know this is an american article we're obviously in a different situation in australia than they are um but you know i thought it was interesting yeah it's super interesting and that is like literally what we were talking about before it's like do what you can and make the decisions that you can but don't hold that on your shoulders yeah yeah um yeah i mean Though I feel like the the job keeper or whatever, like, is because it's kind of like a, a real socialist move that the yeah. government. Yeah, well, that was another thing this article said, and that I think, like, my mum had said to me sometime when I was spiraling out, which is that, um, like, the, the positive side of this is that actually, like, these big kind of disastrous moments in history tend to be where we get more progressive politics come in afterwards because totally. people realize that the the need and value for them and um i think this article talked about how like after the depression in the u.s they had the new deal come in which look i'm not going to pretend to have a perfect understanding of but was basically like this economic policy that really like helped um you know struggling americans and was like a, a really like left progressive moment in america's history that's you know kind of different to their course normally um and yeah i mean that is that is some kind of silver lining in a way that like maybe society will come out of this and be a better, fairer place. But then also, I don't know, there's things to think about, like how they've doubled, doubled um, the Centrelink payment when this happened, which is like, it's great that they've doubled the Centrelink payment. People have been screaming for years about how New Star was completely insufficient amount of money. Yeah. And it took like, normal like good people having to go on there rather than like 
you know, whoever conservative politicians think are on it normally that don't deserve our help and compassion for them to actually change this. But we could also easily just see that change back after after this is all through if we don't kind of fight for it, make it stick around. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, like, back on the, um, like, the good that can come out of this or, like, some sort of learning, I've been seeing, I saw an article that was, like, um, a few people were making more money being on JobKeeper than they were before because they were part-time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that that guaranteed, like, it's like a guaranteed basic income almost. And like, oh, my God, yeah, that's what I hope. That's what I yeah. fucking hope will happen from this is that we'll get universal basic income. Totally. And, like, it'll um, show the merits of that and, yeah. But then again, we haven't, like... <laughs> Like if we were going to get universal basic income, wouldn't it have happened right now? Instead, we've got this JobKeeper payment, which is good for people who qualify for it, but not everyone, like casual staff, don't qualify for it. Like lots of people are still missing out. I think it's casual staff, but if you've worked for the place for over 12 months and you're casual, you can get it. Yeah. So it does suck for people who worked there for less than 12 months. And there's there's flaws. Like I just, like there's definitely flaws and, there are always ways that can do it better, but I think sometimes reading about American stuff, I get really oh, freaked out, God. and then I have to remind myself that actually we're really like in a really lucky position. Yeah, we yeah, are. yeah. I feel like um, I said this last week, but I honestly despair for America right now. Like, just totally don't know what's happen to that country. <laughs> I know it's a real worry. Yeah. I don't want to think about it too much. <laughs> um, the one thing I just want to say that I didn't say before as well, um, I know that that's we were just talking about like disaster cat. Oh, um, sorry, another point. That kind of reminds me, like, you know how you were saying that it's like businesses crop up to just sort of take advantage of disasters or whatever. Yeah. Um, have you seen Contagion? Yes, I've seen it twice. Yeah, so Jude Law in that movie is yeah. like, <laughs> obviously he takes advantage of disaster capital like yeah. he does that whole thing with his tr- serum or whatever um and I read this article the other day or maybe it was I watched a YouTube video and it was saying like the first time that this journalist watched Contagion they thought that Jude Law's character was like really unbelievable because who would do that and like that just doesn't seem like something someone would do and it just seemed like a really thinly veiled way of like taking a swipe at Julian Assange or something. Um, But now they were like, now when you watch it, you can see that that does happen because there's been so many people being like, oh, this can cure Corona or like do, do this or like just trying to make money off people and stuff. And it's really gross. Isn't Clive Palmer peddling some like supposed cure for coronavirus right now? Like it's literally like a, a scene from Contagion. Oh my God. Yeah. I can't remember what, what it is but he's definitely fucking peddling something oh my god see like (laughs) that's just that is just crazy yeah um the other thing I was gonna say um back from before is if any of our listeners are in a position like me where you don't sort of live near local businesses um even shopping online places like David Jones they they um stock a lot of Australian designers and Australian like skincare and stuff so even if like going and just seeking out those brands by yourself is a bit difficult buying from places like David Jones and Maya still help so I thought I'd just go and buy from the brand direct yeah but it's like the 
like some places don't deliver, maybe others, you know? I don't know. I reckon they're all, I reckon they're all delivering <laughs> right now. Well, it's just another way to do it. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any like perfect, if, if you just want to shop at David Jones or something and that's easier for you, you can do that too. And you don't have to feel guilty. Yeah. I mean, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, Josie. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? But we were just talking about how. Yeah. I mean, like there's no, there's no perfect way. There's no perfect way to shop under capitalism. Everything is flawed in one way. You can't expect spending money to be a moral like act. It's not. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like suggesting a different way. Yeah. I mean, I was just, I was just pointing out the, um, the futility of all of our measures. I know. I know. It's so true. I want to um, read that book though. Yeah, I know. Like I, I need to read it now. I'm going to have to order it from Better Red Than Dead because, yeah, now's the time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then the other thing I wanted to talk about this week is like content of a different kind. So I've just been, as <laughs> as much as I've been looking at my beloved small businesses and, um, you know, sending them my well wishes, um, I've been looking at big business and been feeling more and more appalled by the day um i've just been looking at how like some businesses have reacted to coronavirus and i'm just like see yourself out so some examples um there was a viral tweet about this the other day banana republic which is uh it's like a, a clothing chain in america i think they've they're selling like bandanas and hair clips but like under a section called video chat accessories on their site like like which is just like oh my god like fuck off it's just hilarious like oh how how can we how can we profit off this i know let's make a little landing page for video video chat accessories um and then so uber sent an email out last night being like with a subject line, how we can all support local restaurants. And as I'm sure you've heard, like everyone, like I've heard a lot of, a lot of talk lately of people, like people generally shit on Uber for having shitty business practices and exploiting drivers and ripping off businesses Mm. and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, that sentiment has gotten louder obviously over the past few weeks. And lots of people have pointed out, which is kind of what I was saying to you with the David Jones thing, like don't, order your food off Uber, like order it direct from the restaurants. Like they're all, they're all doing their own delivery because they like, they get like, they lose 25, 30% or something of your order fee to Uber yeah. when people order through Uber. So it's like, you know, it's good to go as, as direct as you can with this stuff and not involve any middleman. Cause that middleman is invariably profiting off that business, but not really, you know, providing much of a service anyway. So all, all these people have been ragging on Uber for being like cunts. And um, so they made this announcement. It's like, over the coming days, we're rolling out a feature where um, you can tip up to $3 per order to, like, to the restaurant rather than to the driver. Um, and if you tip, 100% of that contribution will go directly to the restaurant. In addition, we'll match all tips dollar for dollar up to a total of $1 million. And I'm like, this is bullshit so you're saying okay we have heard everyone complaining about how we rip off small business how we're completely gouging them at a time when they're struggling to stay afloat so our solution to that is to continue to gouge them but also ask for people to give them tips and like if people give tips we will give up to one million dollars which is a completely nothing paltry sum for a uh, business of that size it's just like that shit grosses me out so much yeah I mean, that's definitely the Banana Republic thing. I'm a little bit like, mm, 
I mean, the Republic thing is funny. Like, like <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, that Uber thing is, yeah. They yeah. consistently make really bad decisions. They consistently make the worst decisions. Like even yeah. the whole tipping thing for drivers, it's like, yeah, I tip my drivers, like the food delivery guys, but mm. like it's just, it makes me so uncomfortable that a business is allowed to even operate in Australia where you're pushing the obligation to have people pay a decent amount on to customers. Like that's USA shit. Like that's like, that's what we don't want to become. Like when you put the yeah, ethical totally. imperative how is that to even how is, I like, I, I actually don't know. I don't know how they get away with that. And uh, it's like, yeah, like we can all tip our drivers and encourage everyone to tip, tip your drivers. But ultimately like it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be on us to have to do that. Uber should just fucking pay them properly in the first place. Um, yeah. That drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> I just hate also just like hollow sentiments from businesses where it's like, we heard that people want us to be good. So we're just going to do this very tiny thing that doesn't really actually make any difference at all so that we can like appear like we're moral. It's just like, don't even do anything. Like you're a business, like just don't pretend to be ethical if you're not ethical, like which you're clearly not. It's fine. <laughs> then also another thing i wanted to talk about reformation the clothing band brand from the us oh, yes. always talk about they have been doing this thing where they're making masks at their factories to like so they, they partnered with the city of los angeles to pay to make five million non-medical masks for people who are doing essential work so that medical grade masks can be available to healthcare workers oh, yeah, and awesome. which is like nice and they said that they donated some masks to like um, homeless shelters to distribute them to high-risk populations that's all good um <laughs> but why do I still feel eye-rolly about this like why do I still feel like even though it's an objection objectively a move for good I still feel rubbed the wrong way by it like I'm just so allergic to any like big business a big corporation publicly making any show of doing something quote-unquote good that I'm like so dubious of it but yet I also know that I drag them over drag businesses over the coals for not doing good so like I don't know very conflicted yeah do you know I what mean, I mean like, I know I'm what you mean of it because I'm like okay it is a move for good but ultimately it's not motivated by good it's motivated by your desire to appear good to your customers so they keep shopping with you like it's it's just a marketing exercise for you at the end of the day. Well, yeah. I mean, you think that way about Reformation because it's been proven that they've done that before and that's just kind of who they are as a business. Um, yeah. It's like the business equivalent of like white women posing for photos with little African children being like, I help, I'm helping them. <laughs> it's like, fuck off. No, you're not. <laughs> um, also, someone tweeted, um, she killed me. Uh, someone tweeted like the the link about Reformation making masks, saying all the masks will have a thigh high slit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really Ruined cool. me. <laughs> <laughs> like the best tweet I've ever seen. <laughs> um, so yeah. Oh, and then one other thing I wanted to talk about in this roundup of big business, <laughs> disgusting me to my core. Um, did you see that Afterpay took like a massive hit? Yeah, you mentioned it. Yeah, um, I'm obviously rubbing my hands together in glee because if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I'll just, you'll know I have it in for afterpay. Um, (laughs) 
you want to bring him down. down. <laughs> I do. And I, so I wrote this article about them and like other buy now, pay later services a couple of months ago, like just before all this happened. And I talked to like a bunch of experts for it and they were like, yeah, yeah, it's all cool. It's all cool for millennials to have afterpay now when like times are good, but there will come a time when there's an economic crisis and then people are going to be in debt that they can't pay back. And like this model is suddenly going to become like dangerous. And that's exactly what's just happened now is like all these millennials have just suddenly lost their income and still have these like afterpay debts or, you know, for, for the company, it means suddenly no one's shopping on afterpay anymore because like they have no money because they've lost their jobs. So what Afterpay did was they did this thing called Afterpay Day. Did you see it? No. It was just like <laughs> literally revolted me. It was just they did something with all of their, like all the partners they have, like all the stores that they sell through, and they were like, we're going to have a day where it's like 20% off everything if you pay with Afterpay. Oh, yeah, they do just, that a lot, I think. They've done that before. Well, this was definitely coronavirus-inspired, and I was just like, yeah, no, people aren't buying with you because they suddenly have no financial security don't try and encourage them to make your money like this like just call up and die like fold your company already i hate you (laughs) 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 um so yeah that was my additional money content brands disgusting who knew who knew capitalism was rotten to its core i mean you know how i feel about afterpay and what i would say to that is isn't it better if people have to buy things that they would do it on 0% interest during this time rather than using credit cards? Yes, that is that is true. But, um, you know, I, I'm questioning whether how much how much of Afterpay's revenue comes from essential services and how much comes from clothes. Afterpay, um, it runs on merchant fees, so the merchants pay. No, I know, but I mean, like, like I know it's like if someone has to buy something, obviously it's it's better that they are putting it on Afterpay than a credit card. But I'm saying most of what people use Afterpay for is not things they have to buy. It's just for buying like clothes and skincare and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, like you want to see Afterpay fail, I for some reason just really <laughs> hold a torch for it. I just I think it's okay. <laughs> Oh, juicy, and that's what makes this a wild listen. Opinions on Afterpay. Look, so I mean, we're not doing a money yays and nays at the moment. I think we've talked about this before for obvious reasons. I don't have any, you know, money yays anyway. Like I'm, I'm losing my income, but um, the world is a money nay right now. The world is a money nay. But we thought uh, we might just start closing off our episodes with something nice from our week for like just a little bit of positivity because I know we also open the episodes with me complaining about my dark mood. So, you know, end on a lighter note. Hmm. Tracy, Um, what's your nice thing from your week? Oh, well, I mean, I sort of mentioned it before the cafe owner gave us all Easter eggs. That was, I, I'm very sentimental person. So I definitely teared up a little bit at the joy of that happening. (laughs) Um, But I also, I started rewatching Gilmore Girls and I feel like that's bringing me so much joy. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. especially as like the weather's getting a bit cooler and mm. I'm like being all snuggly at home. It's just like very much escapism. It's being really nice. Mm. Um, and one more thing I want to say, and this is probably advice for anyone whose employers have this service, but I've started taking advantage of the 
I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I started taking advantage of my company's employee assistance program, which is like you call up and you get to speak to a counselor and it doesn't necessarily have to be about work things. It's just like about life. Um, and they're good qualified counselors and you can get like up to an amount of sessions free, like through your work. Um, and it's just been really good just to have someone to talk to and go through this stuff and check in with and yeah. So that's what have been making me feel really good. Yeah, that's nice. Totally the time to take advantage of those kinds of um, systems, programs, whatever. 100%. Like if you, if you're like, if they offer it and it was just really good because when I was talking to this counselor about all of the fears that I have, she was like, like you're, everyone has been speaking to me about this. Like everyone feels the exact same that you do. And even just being like, well, she must have however many clients a day. Everyone feels this way. Like it's completely normal. It just really puts things into perspective. It's really nice. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, my good thing. Yeah. So, okay. So obviously I've lost 45, which is a huge loss to my life. Um, I really depend on it. And so I've been going, yeah, as I mentioned, I've been going outside to the park and doing those Nike training club workouts, which are good. And so I've been going to uh, this oval near my house and I just like, you know, whatever, a couple of weeks ago when this, when 45 shut down, I started doing, I'd be like, I'm just going to like go for a run around the oval, like after I do my uh, like a Nike training club workout, just, you know, just because like, why not? And I started like I started doing it and I could do like one lap of the oval and I was like, oh my God, I'm spent. And anytime I've tried to run in life, I fucking hated it. And like, even though I'm a fit person, I just find, have always found running really difficult and unenjoyable. Really? Mm. But anyway, a few days ago I was at the oval and I was like, okay, going to do my run around the oval, like just one lap after this workout. And I did my lap and I was like, I feel like I could keep going. So then I kept going and I did another lap and I did another lap. I did five laps of the oval. Like, Holy shit. I just ran for like 20 minutes straight without stopping. Like any t- previously in my life, I've only been able to run for two minutes at a time and then I have to stop and like walk and catch my breath and then I can start again. I ran for like almost 20 minutes. Like that's a huge thing for me. I was like, what the fuck? And I almost felt like I could have kept going, but it was like getting dark. So I was like, well, time to leave. Um, but yeah, that was like, holy shit, I can't believe I did that. So if I learn to run in ISO, that's going to be like a productive use of my time that I will be happy about. Oh my God, you can come out and like run a marathon or something. I'm going to run a fucking marathon. I'm going to be one of those people. Totally. You should be one of those people. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck mm-hmm. not? Mm-hmm. Well done, Katie. That's awesome. Thanks, Lucy. You're welcome. Um, Cool. Well, this has been fun, guys. I enjoyed this topic a lot, actually. Yeah. <laughs> anything, any chance to complain about capitalism, I'm there. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, fo- uh, join our Facebook group. It's fun. Um, follow us on Instagram. Rate, review, mm-hmm. subscribe. Uh, Let us know safe. what you're thinking of these Corona episodes too and tell yeah. us if there's anything you'd like us to talk about as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. Cool. Bye, Bye, guys. Stay frugal.